Yeah. All right. So um, when we were praying about this week, what God would have us to talk about when it comes to marriage, um, one thing that I kept hearing was the accuser. And um, so essentially what today's going to be about is how to fight against the accuser in your marriage. Um, so if you know anything about scripture, uh, you know that one of the names of Satan, our enemy, is the accuser. Um, we can find that in Revelation 12.10. Um, it says, For the accuser of our believing brethren has been thrown down at last. He who accuses them and keeps bringing charges of sinful behavior against them before our God day and night. And the name in Hebrew and Greek, Satan, literally means the accuser and slanderer. And um, to accuse means to charge with an offense, as if you were in like a court setting. So um, we have an enemy who is called the accuser. And one of his number one jobs is to day and night accuse us before God. So to charge us with sin, to charge us with, you know, character flaws and all that stuff. Well, if this is a character trait of Satan, then we also know this is what he does in other situations, such as our relationships and our families and primarily our marriages. Um, in Ephesians 4.26, this is where we see the accuser playing uh, in the marriage. It says, be angry, yet do not sin. Do not let your anger cause you shame, nor allow it to last until the sun goes down. And do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you into sin by holding a grudge, nurturing anger, or harboring resentment, or cultivating bitterness. So essentially it says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And um, the word devil in that scripture means diabolos, which means accuser and slanderer. So um, one of the things that God taught me in this scripture is, the reason why we don't go to bed angry, it isn't because there's some magic thing that happens when you go to sleep with anger and when you wake up, it's just like you're in a whole new marriage. But what happens is when you carry today's anger and conflict into tomorrow, you're opening a door for the accuser to come in. Um, I don't, I'm sure everybody's experienced it, but if you've ever been in a fight right before bed and you don't wake up, you sit and you lay in bed and you act like you're sleeping and you're usually facing away from each other. And for me, well, he usually can fall asleep. I can't fall asleep. And so I just lay there in bed. And if we didn't make up and make peace, most likely here comes the accuser. And he starts saying, you know, your husband doesn't love you. You know, your marriage is doomed. And, you know, all night he's just whispering lies about your spouse to you. Well, he doesn't actually love you. He's not attracted to you. You know, he's probably thinking about another woman. You know, all these lies, he just starts spilling into your mind. And the reason why God says don't go, bed to, go, don't go to bed angry is because we literally allow it, um, the word that says um, you will give place for the devil. That word place in Greek means like a room or board. So you literally are like setting Satan up in your homes when you go to bed angry and carry resent, resentfulness and bitterness towards your spouse into your home. So um, I just thought such a So when we go to bed angry and we lay there and we're harboring and nurturing and cultivating anger, which is what the scripture says, that's like 
you know, all of those words have to do with like gardening. When you're purposefully planting something and trying to let it grow, you cultivate and nourish it. So this scripture is saying when we're holding on to anger, we're doing the same thing. We're cultivating and nourishing anger and resentment and bitterness towards our spouse instead of cultivating and nourishing our marriage. Well, I was going to add on to that. that uh, we all know First Corinthians 7.5. 7, it says, uh, Do not deprive each other or defraud each other of your marital due rights, except perhaps by mutual consent of the time that you may devote yourselves to unhindered prayer. But afterwards, resume as soon as possible uh, for your lack, for Satan will tempt you for your lack of restraint of sexual desire. So, again, Satan is looking for any opportunity to slander your your spouse, to come in and ruin your marriage. Uh, it's not something that's something Satan does. It's who he is. That's a part of his being. Like the Holy Spirit is our comforter and, all, and everything like that. Satan is part of his character is to destroy mm -hmm. and uh and the ways the ways that he does it is through accusations like you said and insecurities about your spouse and yourself and through outside influences and the way he does it is it's like a, a never-ending cycle of an accusation goes into an insecurity which an insecurity goes into an accusation yeah. it's this never and it's a domino effect and us snowball basically and it's it's one of the many ways satan tries to destroy your marriage mm -hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> but um, I mean, like, especially when it comes to your sexual life, you know, that scripture in First Corinthians is talking about, you know, uh, don't withhold sex from your spouse mm -hmm. unless you both agree for a time of fasting and prayer, yeah. you know, but then make sure that it's not too long because then, you know, that same word Satan comes in and can tempt you, the yeah. accuser, yeah. you know, and if you've ever experienced any kind of sexual you know, stair steps in your marriage, which I think everybody has, those times when your sexual life may seem a little bit off are the times where Satan usually is whispering that, you know, your spouse is probably going somewhere else or they probably don't find you attractive, you know, and he's accusing or once he, again. He tempts you too as well. Yeah, those, those especially in this world where there's temptation at every, at every corner. You know, billboards, there's, uh, social media, you know, I know that we've talked a lot about uh, social media being a danger yeah. in a marriage yeah. and how um, we've both, since we've dated, decided to, you know, be rid of, you know, single people of the opposite sex, you know, who we aren't mutually friends with. Yeah. You've got rid of your Facebook completely now, all social media, but um, it's very important that you're putting up. Um, oh, yeah. Barriers of protection. Your, guard your heart and your A lot of people think social media protection is like this extreme side and you just don't have trust for each other if you do all this. And I'm just telling you, it's like inviting Satan into your marriage when you are not protecting your marriage against social media and temptations. Um, we talked to a lot of people about who you're friends with on social media. We talked to a lot of people about how often you're spending time on social media. You know, and so, <laughs> but that's just this little extra side of just protecting your marriage from sexual temptation. And one of those places the enemy uses nowadays is social media, um, the internet technology. You've always got the internet at your hand, you know, and it's just, it's very easy. <laughs> it's very easy. But, um, 
So I was liking it to um, holding on to anger is just like inviting Satan to stay in your home. And who would do that willingly? But we do that all the time when we, you know, let pride, most of the time pride, be the reason why we're not, you know, repenting to our spouse and, and making peace together. And um, one thing I wanted to know, there are like four points that you can protect your marriage against when it comes to this dealing of anger and strife in your marriage. Um, forgiving quickly is one thing that can protect our marriages against the accuser coming in. Another is being slow to anger, you know, not being so easily offended. Um, walking around in a spirit of offense at all times in your marriage is like one of the key things that can cause you to have problems. Uh, constantly being on edge, waiting for an offense from your spouse, you know, to come, you're going to likely find one if you're waiting to hear something like that. Um, another one is to give mercy graciously and quickly and freely. And then uh, not listening to the accuser about your spouse, but listening to the advocate of your spouse. Uh, and in First John 2, 1, it talks about our advocate. And uh, but if anyone should sin, we have a, an advocate, one who will intercede for us with the Father. It is Jesus Christ, the all righteous, upright, just, who conforms to the Father's will in every purpose and thought and action. Jesus, and it says, Jesus is the advocate, not an advocate, he is the absolute, he, he is for us always, constantly. He knows our sin. He knows the temptation. He was tempted. We watched the sermon this morning about temptation. Mm -hmm. Jesus knew, knows every temptation that me and you go through. Mm -hmm. And, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, sorry. I got distracted. There's kids <laughs> There's so many kids. <laughs> and that's our model that we should be for an advocate for our spouse. Mm -hmm. Our spouse should be not only our our worldly spouse, but also an advocate for us, for God, for, because, uh, and I'm sorry, baby, go ahead. I can't make huh? You're fine. Go ahead. I can't make that. You're fine. So we know that in all of scripture, you know, Satan is, plays the opposite of anything that God comes for. Yeah. And so when we know we have an advocate who, when scripture says, you know, Christ is the advocate who sits at the throne on our behalf. Yeah. And when we fall, he speaks for us. You know, we have the accuser who does the same exact thing. Well, in our marriages, we have those same two options. We have the accuser who's constantly speaking against our spouses to us and lying about our spouses. And then we have the advocate. And it's really up to you on who you're going to choose to listen to in your marriage. Um, you know, you can listen to the lies that the enemy is speaking over your marriage, yeah. uh, especially in those times where you're not communicating effectively. Um, or you can choose to listen to what the Lord has to say about who your spouse is. Um, say you're, you know, you're fighting about something you seem, you can't seem to get over. And you can go to bed and you can, you know, try to believe the lies of the enemy saying, oh, they're always going to be the same. They're never going to change. Or you can, you know, trust in what the Lord has to say about your marriage, which is, um, you know, with him, all things are possible. Or give grace to others and, you know, give mercy to others as I've given mercy to you, you know, and really it all comes back to that mirrored image, you know, so just like in our walks with Christ, 
when, you know, the Lord says to forgive others so that you can be forgiven, it's the same thing in your marriage. You know, why do we think that the scripture is only talking about maybe people at work or people in, you know, people in the church when it says to forgive others quickly. But then in our homes, when, you know, we're fighting with our spouse, then we're going to stonewall each other. for Yeah, we hold on stuff for 40 years sometimes. Yeah. You know, you're just sitting and you're like, well, I'll forgive this person who hurts me, but not my spouse. No, no, that's a whole new territory. I'll forgive an old boss who was mean to me or anything like that, or someone who's stolen from me. But when it comes to my spouse, that's a different story. I can't so easily forgive you, which doesn't make sense because marriage is a relationship you're staying, you know, you're committed to for your life. So it's like, why would you so, you know, harbor resentment towards someone that you're supposed to spend the rest of your life with and then so easily forgive other people who can come and go. It just, it's interesting. But it, it is, it's all a tactic of the enemy to destroy your marriage, you know, as usual. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I was going to go on to the Holy Spirit. And uh, in John four sixteen, and it said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and stand by, and that may remain with you forever, and that he may re- remain with you forever. And I was thinking, I'm like, those things we, if we allow the Holy Spirit into our, our hearts, and we allow the Holy Spirit into our marriage, those are, should be some attributes that we can use for ourselves to our spouse, mm-hmm. to be the counselor when our, our spouse needs help. I mean, I mean, times do you count, we count with each other, mm-hmm. saying, hey, this is going to be okay, you know. Our helper, you know, uh, that's kind of a given. <laughs> our intercessor, uh, an advocate, and our strengthener. You're my rock, and I'm your rock. Mm-hmm. We our rock on Jesus. Yeah. So, and those are available if we, if you just allow the Holy Spirit to work in your marriage. It's it's, it's easily just asking. Yeah. That's all you have to do. <laughs> it's not hard. It's just ask. You just ask. I think sometimes when we look at the big picture of our marriages, we think that that marriage that where God is freely working in our marriage and there's a safety there and there's a peace there and a love there. We think that that's kind of unreachable on this side of earth, but it's not if we're walking like Christ daily and picking up our crosses daily. You know, um, we've said it many times here before that your walk with Christ isn't just a, okay, I'm saved and that's it. It's a daily choice to put on Christ and walk like he does. And it's the same thing in your marriage. I don't know why we think that if the day we say I do, that from that day forward, we have no intentionality to do, you know. We take dating and we're intentional in dating about falling in love with each other. And we even honor each other in dating, like opening doors and, you know, speaking well to each other. And and then as soon as you get married, all of that just goes away. And then when you have kids, it goes even worse. <laughs> oh, and then you have kids and then you, you know, if you're not, if your family's not in order, you have kids and then they take a place now above your spouse. And then work takes a place above your spouse. And it's like... You know, we think that you're just married, so we don't have to work on this. But marriage is an active, alive thing where it's every day you're having to nourish and cultivate and be intentional in your marriage. Um, When I was talking about those points, those four points of protecting our marriage uh, from the accuser, one of the first things that you can do is develop healthy communication. 
Um, it's not so easy for the accuser to come against your marriage when you're communicating effectively about the things that are causing strife and conflict. Um, and just a point real quick, a marriage without strife and conflict most likely may be an unhealthy marriage because anytime you have two individuals trying to become one, there's going to be conflict, there's going to be tension. So a healthy marriage isn't an absence of conflict. It's a it's a having good conflict management. Resolution. And resolution of the conflict, and not uh, you know not sweeping things under the rug, hoping they'll take care of themselves, not avoiding conflict because you just don't feel like it. You don't feel like having the same conversation again. Bottling you know, in your emotions. Yeah, bottling everything in until one day you just blow up. Yeah. You know, none of those are healthy ways to deal with conflict in marriage. So one of the number one things you can do against the accuser is communicate with your spouse. If I'm talking to you actively about the things that I may be insecure about, you know, or the things that I may have fear about in our relationship, then I have you actively speaking to me so that it's not so easy for me to believe the lies of the enemy. If I say, hey, I feel insecure right now about my physical image and I'm afraid that you don't find me attractive or whatever. You know, you're able to just speak into it and say, that's a lie. You know, I love you instead of. If I sit here and just hold all of that in and don't speak to you about it, well, that's when the enemy can begin to whisper on a bad day, he doesn't love you, he's not attracted to you, you know? Like, those are things where if we're actively talking about my insecurities, your insecurities, then it's easier for, one, you to counsel me like the Holy Spirit and allow God to work through you to help me, but, two, to destroy the lives of the enemy, trying to destroy the marriage. And you can... uh like if you have a random thought about your spouse during the day, random, you're at work or somewhere, <laughs> pray for them. Mm-hmm. Usually, I mean that's that's a sign that you need to pray for them. I mean, you just might have a nice thought, and it might be it might be fun, but a prayer doesn't hurt. You no. know, intercession doesn't hurt. Yeah. So, well, it's just like before we were actually dating. Um, I had my mama taught me my whole life to pray for my spouse, even if I didn't know who he was, because she used to do that for my daddy. And um, I was working, I was on my break, and I just had this sudden urge to pray for my spouse, even though I had no idea who he was. And and so I just started praying. I was like, Lord, protect him, put him on your path, you know, let him hear from you and what your purposes are for his life. Well, come to find out, when we started talking around the same time you were what? You were about to go to sign up for the military yeah. or something yeah. on that same day. Yeah. yeah. So I, it's just amazing if you're if you incline your ear to the Holy Spirit, how much he'll help you be an advocate for your spouse as well and an intercessor. Um, some points on communicating effectively. Um, one of the easiest things to do is listen to understand and not rebut. Meaning when you're having a conversation with your spouse, say it started to get heated. So it's turning into a thought now. You know, try your best to listen to your spouse without the goal of replying. <laughs> so if you're saying something to me, my goal's not going to be, well, this is what I'm going to tell him. Because if I'm sitting here trying to think of a reply to my spouse, then I'm not listening to what they're saying to me. You cannot listen and think about your own response at the same time effectively. So one way to, you know, fight against the accuser is when you are communicating, listen to your spouse and listen without defense. Listen, uh, let them speak 
what they're feeling without you feeling like you have to defend yourself. I say it all the time, but you know, you don't get to tell someone else how they feel. So you don't get to tell, you know, your spouse, well, that's just not true. If they say, well, I'm feeling like I'm being ignored or I feel like, you know, you're kind of absent from me. Well, that's not true. Well, you don't get to tell your spouse that that's not true. Now, it may not be what you're intending, and you'll be allowed to say that at some point, but you have to listen to your spouse so that, you know, they're feeling hurt because one of the number one ways to get your spouse to just shut off is to say what they're feeling. You know, I'm not even going to let you tell me what you're feeling. Or that they're wrong. Yeah, or you're wrong. <laughs> but, yeah, that's going to let healthy communication happen. Um if you're feeling like it's getting too heated to where you're not going to be able to listen or talk without being disrespectful or being mean, you know, then take a break. You know, there's no law that says you can't take a break from conflict and go. Not from marriage. Not from Just Walk yeah. away from it. Yeah, no, not from it. Yeah, <laughs> walk away to another room, pray, let the Holy Spirit incline your ear to him usually you'll be told what you're wrong and to and to apologize that's usually what happens but walk away take a break and then come back and once you two both pray and let the holy spirit tell you the truth then most likely you'll come to a peace from your conflict um another thing is just speak sweetly speak sweetly to each other speak with, with respect to one another um and be slow to anger, walking in humility and gentleness. Those are fruits of the Spirit. You know, if you want fruits of the Holy Spirit in your marriage, well, that means you personally, individually have to walk in the fruits of the Spirit. So constantly having a mean word or a criticism or, um, you know, disrespect to your feelings and emotions, that is not the fruit of the Spirit, and you're not going to see the fruits of the Spirit. Um, <clears throat> which scripture is it? On uh, James 1.19 says, Understand this, my beloved brothers and sisters. Let everyone be quick to hear, a careful and thoughtful listener, slow to speak, a speaker of carefully chosen words, and slow to anger, patient, reflective, forgiving. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, the standard of behavior which he requires from us. So if you want the righteousness and the fruits of God in your marriage, then those are the points that you need to do. Be slow to anger. Be forgiving. Be sweet to each other. Um. And so, just like you were talking about earlier, um, inviting the Holy Spirit into your marriage. Yeah. You know, why don't we feel like we can do that in the moment of conflict? You know, why don't we feel like we can be like, okay, let's pray. Well, you have to swallow your pride. Exactly. You get rid of pride. Yeah. And that's one of the number, I mean, we know pride and a lack of humility. That's one of the number one things that Satan uses to destroy us on a personal level. But especially in your marriage, where there's pride, there's an unhealthy marriage. Where there's a, a lack of the ability to admit fault or admit that you're wrong, your marriage will not flourish because humility is one of those key pieces to a peaceful marriage because that means you're able to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And if you're constantly placing blame and fault on your spouse, that's an unsafe place to be for your spouse 
you know, when I don't feel like I can come to you with something without being blamed for it, then I'm not going to come to you at all. And then we're at a standstill and there's no growth when we're at a standstill. And so just that walking in humility, being willing to say, maybe, you know, after all these years, it isn't my spouse's fault. Maybe there's something that I have caused in this marriage, in this fight, in this conflict. And when we're willing to apologize to the Lord first, repent, and then repent to our spouses, we'll begin to see that the accuser doesn't have as much room to play in our marriage. Yeah. But, um, and I think, uh, like, if you are fighting, we are going to fight. If you're, if you have the, um, the mindset like God does, or like Jesus does, and he's our advocate. Mm-hmm. Satan's going to, while you're fighting, Satan's going to be pouring thoughts into your head the whole time you're fighting. Mm-hmm. She's, she doesn't love me. She doesn't care. She's, you know, whatever the thought might be. It doesn't matter. But instead, while that's going on, replace those with, I, I know who she is. I know why I married her. I know she's a great woman. I know she loves God. You know, all these other things. And it's, Besides being angry and feeling your pride, which is what anger does, yeah. you can replace those with those thoughts. Yeah. And so. it all comes down to really walking in the spirit with your emotions. You know, when we're being led by our emotions, which are fickle and momentary, we're not so easily to incline our ear to the spirit to yeah. listen to what they're, he's saying about our spouse. Yeah. But when you are in your emotions, that's when it feels like Satan's voice is just in a microphone. You know, so it's like, it's really that dying to the flesh, which feels so hard, especially in like a, an argument, mm-hmm. that dying to the, to the, feel the need to be right. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a fleshly prideful thing. Well, I'm right. I need to make my point known. And it's like, at what cost are you wanting to be right at the cost of your marriage, at the cost of your spouse's joy, you know, and peace? And so it's really all, it's just like we talked about at the last session that mirrored marriage, you know, about dying to self and marriage being all about servanthood to your spouse. Well, in conflict, it's the same thing. When we're servant minded to our spouse, we're not looking to win. Yeah. Like, if we're in conflict and I win, we haven't won. And our marriage is damaged. There is no winning in an argument. No, you know? marriage. No, because if, if me winning means damaging you in some way, I haven't won. If I'm a servant to you, if I'm loving you unselfishly, yeah. then for you to be hurt doesn't make me win. So it's really all about, you know, it's... And it's so easy to kind of forget these things in the moment. And that's why it's so important that daily you're walking closely with Christ and the Holy Spirit. So that in these moments, you're not forgetting (laughs) these important things. So when we're daily remembering intentionality and service in our marriage, then it's easier to come back to these things when you're going through an argument. And so one of those second points uh, about protecting your marriage, protecting, (laughs) protecting your marriage from the accuser is giving mercy and forgiving quickly. Um, Matthew 5, 7 says, blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy. And Luke 6, 36 says, be merciful just as your father in heaven is merciful. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says, let all bitterness 
and wrath and anger and clamor, perpetual animosity and resentment, and fault-finding and slander be put away from you, along with every kind of malice, spitefulness, verbal abuse, malevolence. Be kind and helpful to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate and understanding, forgiving one another readily and freely, just as God in Christ forgave you. And I know I've done that. I know you, you're quicker to apologize than I am, I think. But what, this is a verse that I have to put to use, which is forgiving quickly, that that want to be over conflict quickly. Because sometimes, I'll admit it, sometimes if we're fighting about something, you know, and then you apologize pretty quickly, I have this feeling of like, well, I'm kind of still in the mood to be mad at you because that's too quick. I like, you apologize too quickly, and I just want to be mad at you still. So I still kind of hold it and against you. I get the eye cut over. The side eye. Yeah, the side eye. And then I'm still signed. <laughs> I'm still signed at you for the day. And it's just, and then honestly, it's just pride. And at the end of the day, you know, I'm sitting, and it's really, if you're, you know, let's be honest with each other. If you're the spouse that apologizes quickly, you know, you're the better person, essentially, in the marriage. In the sense of, you know, when it says be the bigger person, well, for some reason, you know, you want to be the bigger person until it comes to apologize to your spouse. And I'll admit that you're usually the bigger person, and I'm usually the one that tries to hold on to conflict all day long. And and so that's something I'm having to learn is to be quick to forgive because, you know, how would you feel if you went to Christ and let's say you just messed up and you went to Christ and you're like, Lord, forgive me. And Jesus is like, well, I'll forgive you, but just not right now. I'm going to let you go for the rest of the day unforgiven so that you know how bad you messed up. You know, that's not godly. That's not being like Christ. Instead, you can be like Christ and be an advocate. For mm-hmm. Yeah. And when your spouse say I'm doing that to you and I'm not forgiving quickly you know that's when the one who's walking in the spirit can can be you know a leader to the spouse and be like listen we're both gonna have moments of weakness oh yeah that's what our helper is mm-hmm. you know, that's the helping part of being married yeah and so <laughs> that's exactly well. so um that's another thing you want your marriage to flourish will be a quick forgiver Give mercy to your spouse like you would give mercy to a stranger. Like I said earlier, like we are so quick to give mercy to someone we don't know. But then when it comes to our spouse that we're supposed to love, we, we're like, never mind, not to you, you know. And you can, and people can harbor that for years and decades. Oh, yeah. And they don't even know it sometimes. No. And that, and that can also come into conflict later in life. Oh, yeah. In which you see a lot of people who are older get divorced. Yeah. Things like that. They Their kids move out and then they realize, hey, I don't know you. Yeah. I don't really like you. And then they, <laughs> they get divorced. It's sad, but it's, it's reality. Yeah. Well, I mean, so let's talk about the word harboring resentment, which is uh, one of the words for having animosity and wrath. To harbor something, we know a harbor for boats is a place where something rests. When you're harboring resentment against your spouse, you're letting, you know, an unforgiveness you know, rest in your hearts towards your spouse. So it's like, how many times does your spouse have to ask for forgiveness about the same thing? You know, and if you say, oh, I forgive you, but you still harbor resentment and the next fight, you bring that thing back up, then you haven't forgiven. Because what does the scripture say about Christ when he forgives us? Well, God throws it as far as the east is from the west. So if you're forgiving as Christ forgives, 
then you should throw that offense as far as the east is from the west. And, you know, bringing up past failures after you forgave your spouse for it, that's not forgiveness. That's you know, That's an that's, accuser. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you're literally walking in the position of the enemy when you act as the accuser against your spouse. And that can be for anything. You know, say I'm being insecure because I'm not walking in the spirit. And, you know, I've had babies and one of my insecurities is body image. So let's say because I'm listening to the lies of the enemy about myself. Well, let's say a woman walks in front of us, you know, and I immediately say, you were looking at that woman. Weren't you? you know, I bet you were looking at that woman and you're just like, I didn't even notice a woman, you know, but that accusation, you know, coming against you, I'm doing exactly like the enemy does. You know, I'm playing, you know, or bringing up past sins of your spouse that they confided in you about, you know, say you can, I confided in you about a failure of mine. And the next time we fight, you bring it up to me, you're playing the accuser. And we can play the. Yeah. He wants your marriage to be in that state. Because it, what happens, you know, anybody can talk bad about you, but when your spouse hurts you, it's, it's a different kind of hurt. It's, it's a deeper hurt, you know? So that's why we have to be so protective about our marriage is because the damage that happens within a marriage cuts deeper than when it's just a coworker. You know, if a coworker says something bad about you, you're like, eh. If your husband says something bad about you, it lasts with you for years. And that's why scripture tells us be quick to forgive because we know, you know, God knows the damage that holding on to anger and resentment can have. So he's like, be quick to forgive, not because. It's a foothold for the enemy. It, enemy yeah. To come into your marriage and destroy other things in your marriage. Oh, yeah. You know, if we have, uh, if we give one inch of territory to the enemy in our marriage. He'll take, a, he'll take the whole thing, you know, and that's just how Satan works. You know, even in your spiritual life, one compromise, we think, oh, it's just one compromise. It's yeah. just one, you know, it's just one $10 from the work cash register or yeah. it ain't going to hurt anybody yeah. or, you know, it's just one image online. It's not going to hurt anybody. You know, just one little compromise, it's giving a whole battlefield to the enemy. You know, you've just given over the territory. And we think one little thing isn't going to do so much damage. Like this one comment to my spouse in a moment of anger, oh, it's he'll get over it. But you won't. Yeah. Because Satan will tempt you always in marriage. Oh, yeah. Not just with like sexual immorality or anything like that. You also tempt you to be disobedient to your spouse. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to stay angry as long as I can and not forgive them. That's from the internet. So. Well, he'll always, the accuser will always find a place to get in. And that's why, and it sounds really scary because you're like, he's, he's all, but he is. He goes around like, like a roaring lion, yeah. you know, trying to see who he can devour. He's doing the same thing to your marriage, you know, and it's like I said, it's like an escalator. You know, as soon as you stop, you're just, if you're going up a opposite, you know, escalator. Am I saying that word? I feel like I'm mixing up elevator in my head. But if you're going up the opposite direction, you know, you have to keep walking, right? And so as soon as you stop, you're going backwards. And it's the same thing for marriage. The day you stop pouring into your marriage with intentionality, you're going backwards. Because marriage is one of those alive, active relationships that, you know, you have to pour into and feed daily. 
And Satan is waiting for a vulnerable moment. He's waiting for a tired moment, a weary moment. That's why one of the reasons, to, you know, uh, one of the causes of divorce is finances, because you're so weary from the financial burdens that you're vulnerable to other attacks against your spouse, you know. And this is why we have to, by all things in Scripture, constantly, daily live and carry our crosses and like together or individually and then together because, you know, Satan is waiting for the foothold to get into your marriage. And so a moment of weakness, a moment of pride is more than just a moment. You know, if we're not humble and we're not walking in obedience to, to God, that moment of pride conflict can be, you know, your relationship being yeah. broken. And so we read about um, the things that can cause the accuser to come in, which is animosity, resentment, strife. Well, Colossians tells us to think the things that we should do, that we can protect ourselves with. So Colossians 3, 12 through 14 says, purposefully put on and clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, forgiving each other willingly. And most importantly, wrap yourself in unselfish love. And so where Ephesians, I think it was, no, wait, first, no, Ephesians 4.31 is telling us what to let go of, bitterness, wrath, strife, you know, animosity. Colossians is telling us once you let go of those things, now clothe yourself with these things in your marriage. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Um, and so when... We know in scripture, anytime that it says to clothe, clothe yourselves with, it's mentioning because you're not going to just wake up with these things on, (laughs) you know, so you're not going to wake up every day with the fruits of the spirit on and just walking like the best person on the earth, because that's just not what we are in the flesh. So daily clothe yourself with these things, you know, just like when it says, you know, put on the full armor of God. It's the same word, put on, clothe yourself with, because these are daily choices of putting these things on in our relationships with our spouse. And these, these things are meant for just being an individual oh, yeah. Christian, but they're even more serious when you're married. Yeah. Because we're, to God, when we're one, we're accountable for our marriage. Yeah. And I don't think that's really taught that you're accountable for your marriage. Yeah. It's, well, we, we hear not, the words, you know, Be a light in the world. How often do you hear that? So you think, okay, well, when I go to work, I will be a light and I will show Christ, you know, and then then you come (laughs) home and act like the devil, you know, but I was being the light in the world where if you can't be a light to your spouse, you know, don't be false and be a light in the world. Because if you come home after get, you know, sharing testimonies with everyone at work and they come home and you're acting like Satan in your own marriage and accusing and yelling and causing strife and being critical, you know, that's just walking in hypocrisy. And Jesus, you know, the Lord knows the heart and he, he doesn't want you playing a fake game of Christianity out in the world and then coming home and dishonoring one of the most important relationships in your life. And so that's just another thing is, you know, as you intentionally walk with purpose in your marriage to be Christ-like towards your spouse, 
that's going to naturally flow out to people outside. But it can't be out of order, <laughs> you know, because our lives, if you're married, go like God, marriage, children, ministry, you know. So if you're out of order and you're putting God and then ministry and then children and then here's your spouse all the way over here, you know, God is not a God of chaos. He wants things in order. So you won't see full fruit and you'll feel the tension of walking in disorder. And so I think that's one thing we can do to fight against the accuser in our marriage is be Christ-like in your marriage. Don't just think it's important to be Christ-like out in the world. But if you if you can't, don't love your neighbor if you can't love yourself. And if you're married, your spouse is one with you, right? Um and then I talked earlier about being hard to offend. And Lord knows in this culture, everybody walks around with a spirit of offense, constantly waiting to be offended by something. Well, don't do that. <laughs> if you're a Christian, that is not how we're called to walk. We're called to walk in steadfastness and not being tossed around and billowing like a, you know, a piece of wood on the ocean. You know, we're called to be steady in Christ and where it, like letting your emotions be so easily offended is just asking to live in a life of no peace. And so in your marriage, you know, don't don't assume the worst about your spouse. As soon as they say something to you, don't just hear it through filters of insecurities and hurt and all that stuff. But get healed through those things so that you can actually hear what your spouse is saying. Um, one thing I talk a lot about is make meta messages. You know, so say you grew up in a, ho- a household where rejection is all that you had, you know, or anytime you shared your emotions, you were put down and, uh, you know, made fun of. So we learn these things and these ways of hearing and living through our childhood. And then we get in our marriage and I'm filtering everything you say to me through these lenses of rejection, these lenses of, you know, not being able to share my emotional life without being made fun of so say one day I'm saying well I'm just feeling really sad and you're like well what are you sad about and then you know if I'm not healed from those messages I'm going to think that you're making fun of me for being sad and then we're going to fight because I'm mishearing if you married an unbeliever and they had a rough life and they always had you know rejection anger abuse you're going to think that that's normal yeah so you have to when it says leave your spot your parents and cleave to your spouse, then you need to leave and cleave. Yeah. Cleave everything off. That's good. So, you know, cleave off all those things that you've learned. And I mean, granted if they were good, yeah. they were good lessons. You know, we have there are good parents out there and good give good, good lessons. You listen to those and take those to your own ears. But I mean, there's a lot of things that we have to relearn when we move out. Yeah. And become one with our, our spouse. Yeah, and I, th- you know, I think everybody comes into marriage with some kind of baggage, mm-hmm. and that's baggage from maybe a previous marriage, baggage from your family of origin, or lack of family of origin. You know, baggage from trauma, and and those things are real. But at the end of the day, there does come a time where we can no longer use those things as an excuse. Um, you know, there comes a time when you have to seek healing for things. And you can't just use what baggage you have as an excuse to stay the way that you are. God's not going to keep anybody where they're at. No. Yeah. yeah. And that's the, one of the most beautiful things about God is usually whatever we put into the hands of God, He makes beautiful in its own time. So whatever's broken, your marriage, your 
mind, your spirit. You know, when we give that to the Lord, we can trust that He's going to make all things whole again. Does it feel good when He's making all things whole? Most of the time, not. But if you imagine being clay, it probably may not feel good to be beat, you know, and pushed down and everything to be formed. But you have to trust the process of becoming whole. Is you know, it may not feel good all the time, but the outcome is worth it. If your marriage, you know, the how your marriage is going to be in the future. If that, if the cost of obtaining that is I have to go through some hard things and self things right now, then it's worth it. You know, I need to. Yeah. And it's all about how you're viewing your marriage. Like we talked about last time. Do you view your marriage as sacred? Do you view it as something that is important? That is important. If you think it's just the next step that you have in a relationship like the world teaches, you know, which a lot of people aren't even getting married anymore, then you're not going to do the work that is needed to make a happy marriage if you think that it just kind of happens. So that's another thing is just, you know, not always blaming your spouse for conflict, sometimes turning your eye inward and saying, what is it about me that could be causing some of the conflict that's going on? What is it about me I need to heal from so I won't always listen to, to the spouse's fault? Yeah, your past. I mean, yeah. they married you, but it's still not their fault that that happened. To you, yeah. So they shouldn't bring that into marriage. Well, you, you don't. Be from yeah, you don't punish someone else for the wounds that someone else inflicted on you. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm not going to punish you for you know the behavior of men down in the past who hurt me or anything like that. That's not fair. Does it happen? Yes. Does God understand? Absolutely. But then there's the responsibility of giving it over to God and letting him heal those things because it is not fair to punish you for the actions of someone else. Um, And then lastly, you know, you want to fight against the accuser in your marriage? Listen to the advocate. Don't listen to the accuser. Um, So much we think that any thought that comes into our head, we just have to keep. You know, I have to listen to this thought about my husband not loving me or our marriage is doomed, you know, but you don't, you know, thoughts are not something that happens to you. You don't have to just deal with thoughts. You know, we know in scripture that says to take captive every thought that comes against the knowledge of Christ and make it obedient to Christ. The same thing, you know, works towards your spouse. When those thoughts come in, you don't have to just be a victim You know, you fight against those things. You bear up your armor and, you know, be the advocate for your spouse and say, you're a liar. I've had to do that before. You know, Satan will just lie and he'll say, you know, Tyler doesn't love you. Yeah, Tyler doesn't love you. Tyler's not going to change. You know, your marriage is doomed. You made a mistake. And I just, you know, sometimes if you're weak, you'll take it. But I just get mad. It makes me sick. I'm like, you are a liar. You know, and then I start speaking the truth. Tyler loves me. We were put together by God. We have a purpose and a destiny for our marriage. And you're not going to come in and destroy it. And and that's the thing is Satan attack. He wants to attack your marriage because the marriage is the most beautiful relationship this side of heaven we can have besides your personal relationship with Christ. Because to have a relationship where you can fully and 100% be committed to one another and trust each other and be safe. You know, Satan wants to destroy that. He doesn't want you having someone to rely on. He doesn't want you to... 
Yeah, he wants you alone and isolated and, and bitter and angry, you know. And so that's why we have to acknowledge, number one, you can't fight against an enemy you don't think you have. So if you so if you don't believe that the enemy is after your marriage, well, you're most likely going to have a hard marriage. So when we take up our armor and our shields because we acknowledge there's an enemy against our marriage, then you're likely to succeed against that enemy. But when we're just letting an enemy come into the camp and take up territory because we're too lazy to fight against him or too we don't even think we have an enemy, you're, you're not going to succeed. You know? No. And so, <clears throat> so if you found yourself in a place where maybe you've listened to the accuser about your spouse, you know, what do we do now? Um, my marriage is in, you know, my marriage is tumultuous or we're, we're living separately right now and we're not one, you know, where do we go from here? I think the number one thing that you need to start with if you're feeling like conflict is something you haven't been able to get over is repentance. Repentance to God and for disobedience and then repentance to your spouse, you know, with all humility. When you go to repent to your spouse, lay down that baggage of blame. Say it, you say your spouse has hurt you. You know, your, your spouse has done thing against you. Of course they have. We're human. You know, none of none of us are perfect, but lay down that bitterness, you know, lay down that need for someone else to do the right thing. And you do the right thing by repenting for what you did wrong and then repenting to God. Um, and once you repent, you know, the next thing that we have to do is to make the choice from that day forward to listen to the advocate of our spouse and not the accuser and then walk in that position as an advocate of my spouse and not an accuser. And then daily renewing our minds with the word of God, renewing your minds together. You know, um, we want a strong talk. Talk, talk. talk to your spouse. <laughs> yeah. Say, hey, this is what I've been feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's so it's 100 percent possible to have a satisfying marriage in God. There isn't just a, a chance. There's 100 percent of success yeah. in a marriage if you have God. In. Yeah. And there's the God. And you do what God says, you know, it's going to feel awkward at first when you start this process yeah. of learning how to communicate to one another, learning how to talk about what's bothering you and, and praying together. It'll feel awkward at first, but my gosh, get through the awkward moments. It's so worth it to come to that. Yeah. If you can do you can one of the most awkward physical things, which is set, then you can talk to your spouse about how you're feeling. <laughs> you know, and so that's the next thing to do is just start, you know, if you want spiritual oneness, well, then have spiritual oneness by praying together and, you know, worshiping together. You can't have oneness when you're divided. And so I think that's the next thing is begin inviting God into every area of your marriage, your sex life, you know, your communication in life, you know, your fun, your humor, having fun together. Uh, God wants to be in every detail of your marriage. And I, and when you do that, you're on the road to success. Does it happen overnight? No. Because <laughs> we have to learn new patterns of thinking, new patterns of doing. But just taking that first step is worth it when it comes to your marriage. So let me make sure I'm not missing anything. And lastly, uh, this is what I did want to end with. So we've heard some really great things 
we've had some great revelations. Um, now go forward and do it. So, so often we'll we'll hear these things, marriage, you know, marriage things, and we'll be like, oh, that's a good point. You know, that sounds really great. And then we just leave, and we leave what we learned in the seat. So you want your marriage to succeed, and you want to stop listening to the accuser, do it. Do what we've talked about. <laughs> um, James one twenty two says, but prove yourselves doers of the word, actively and continually obeying God's precepts, and not merely listeners who hear the word and fail to internalize its meaning, deluding yourselves by unsound reasoning contrary to the truth. You know, stop just hearing and begin actually practicing the things that God is revealing to you. God, you know, when God speaks, he doesn't mean for it to fall on deaf ears. He wants you to absorb it and begin walking in it so that he can show you a mighty thing in your marriages. So when you hear something like this, don't just clap your hands and say, amen, that's a great word. Go home and apply it. <laughs> Begin forgiving quickly, walking in mercy, walking humbly. It's all in, it's all in here. Yeah. And, and that's, I think, the biggest problem is we hear the word, but we don't apply the word and do the word. And, you know, if I give you water to in a cup, but you don't drink it, you're still thirsty. So I will leave on that note of all these things that you've heard today, all the things that God reveals do them. You know, if you've been married for two years, four years, 30 years, enough is enough. It is time to start actually walking in the Holy Spirit in your marriage. You know, it's time to actually take that first step of forgiving one another, of letting down all the blame against your spouse. Like, enough is enough of harboring anger and resentment. Like, your life and your marriage will be so less heavy when you just take this first step of forgiveness. And I think, for, I think if that's not happening in the marriage, I think men should be the ones that initially start that. Yeah. Because the, you're the head of the household. God has given you as the covering of the house. You need to start that. You need to be. You need to grow up and be a man, mm-hmm. and listen to God and heal your marriage. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure if there's bitterness between the two, as soon as the man's like, okay, you know what, honey, I'm gonna. Start doing this, and they start seeing something change. They will gladly come along with you. I know, like I said earlier, you're usually the first to apologize. I know when we're fighting, and you just stop us, and you say, "Let's pray." Like I'll go from like this to and just crying because, like you being humble and you taking that step of leadership, usually melts the hardness off of my heart. And that's because it's a fruit of your obedience to God. Well, women so, are meant to. Designed by God to be that way. Yeah, they want their their husband to lead in that in every aspect. Right? Oh yeah, especially that aspect. <clears throat> That's really good. But yeah, so I'm gonna pray over the marriages of everyone listening, real quick, and then um, we'll be done. And then you'll pray yeah. if you have anything yeah. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that reveals truth to us, so that we don't have to stay in bondage. We thank you that you are right now melting resentment and bitterness off of people's hearts, Lord, so that their marriages can flourish. Lord, we speak to the marriages of all those listening.
that wherever this word falls on the ears, that their hearts will receive it and begin walking in your spirit and healing their marriages, Lord. Lord, I ask that to all those listening, Lord, that you would begin a new thing in their marriages. Revive what's been dead, Lord, and breathe new life through your spirit into those marriages. Let them begin to experience the satisfaction and pleasure that marriage was always intended to give us, Lord, of unity and oneness, Lord, and intimacy. Lord, take all of us to a new level in our marriages where we truly see what it means to be one with our spouse under the covering of your spirit, Lord. We love you and we praise you for your word that breaks the bondages of sin off of our lives, Lord. And we ask that you would help us not just to hear these things, but to do them, Lord. Spirit, give us, Lord, the the authority to walk in these things and to apply them. Let us know who we are in Christ that we can begin to fight against the enemy in our marriage and not just be a victim. Lord, we praise your name and we thank you for all that you're going to do for your faithfulness in our marriages as we begin to be faithful, Lord. And we praise your name. Lord, we pray these things over your people, God. We pray that anybody listening, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that they apply it to their marriage, God, that they listen, Lord, and they take all of it and let it sink in their heart, Lord, and let them check themselves, Lord. Let their their marriages be healed, God. If the accuser is if they're being an accuser, or the accuser is trying to persuade them, God, I pray that they listen to you, Lord, and that they turn their, their ears and their eyes to you, God, and that they be an advocate for their spouse, Lord. I pray that they pray with their spouse, Lord, that they read the word with their spouse, God. I pray that they do. They spend all this time pouring into their spouse, God. You, you have made our spouse for us, God. You have blessed our marriage, Lord. We pray that you allow people to be blessed with their marriage, God, that they have a fruitful and happy and abundant marriage, Lord, in the name of Jesus, God. I pray these in your name. Amen. Amen.